0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Top of spring training to you all. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast from our new. Look in our Mass and Web Studio. If you recognize it, if you're watching us live on the and Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel, uh, we you might recognize this backdrop from former Nats Extra Pre and Post Game shows from of a couple of years ago. Uh, Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings coming at you live right now. Hopefully you are tuning in live and watching us because we are on video formats every single week. But if not, you're checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. Baseball is back. Spring Ooh. training is in full swing, no pun intended, but pun intended. <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot to get to on today's episode. Amy, you and I have not talked in two weeks. I know. I did an episode with Mark Zuckerman last uh, uh, week while you were on vacation. We'll get to a bunch of stuff in just a little bit. But, you know, first off, good to see you. How was Florida?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I was t- As I was telling you before the before the show, um, my dad and brother played down at Old Dodger Town. Mm-hmm. So it's super cool. There's a ton of, you know, pictures and, you know, Uh, different stuff you know across the fields that have historic landmarks and meanings and um, they kind of because the Dodgers were the first organization where all the guys stayed at spring training together uh, they have kind of like dorm style rooms and that's where all the boys stay and the coaches and you can find a list of the Dodgers players that stayed in the room before you so my dad stayed in Tommy Lasorda's room so just a lot of cool history there Uh, cool to see good baseball and I came back I was gone a week we have a whole new set their baseball's back. i just you have a whole new tan, you're like darker I have than a whole me. New tan.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is the day before St. So Patrick's Day, and the sun is finally getting out, yeah, it's warming up here in the DC area. And uh, uh, we're gonna have coverage, of course, from West Palm Beach, um, with Mark Zuckerman going, be going down there in a couple of days, having all the coverage from Nationals camp. A lot of good, to, I guess, the only cure for baseball was just send Amy to Florida yep. to there finish those and negotiations.
1: All the baseball world caught yeah. on fire, and we here we are. I kind <laughs> of knew that was going to happen,
0: as soon as you are like, I'm going to be off uh-huh. next week, and like, all right, and then they're going to have an go. announcement. Of yeah. course, but. Um, We've got a lot to get to today because, like I said, we, you and I have not talked in a week. I talked to Mark last week before the announcement of a new CBA, so we're going to. A lot to get to. Reviewing the offseason, previewing spring training, touching on some nuggets we've already known. Of course, talking about Nelson Cruz, the returns of Sean Doolittle, Anibal Sanchez, Gerardo Parra. We're going to review all the roster moves the Nationals made before, during, and after the lockout. But let's start because we have not talked about it yet. We not mm-hmm. mentioned it on the show. Of course, there's more coverage on massinsports.com and the Massin app if you want full details of the new CBA. But let's give you just a couple of details that have come out about the new collective bargaining agreement between the uh, players' association and the league. Of course, there's increases in a minimum salary and a com- competitive balance tax thresholds, which have now been labeled the Steve Cohen tax. Because the the Mets are not being shy about spending their money. Nine inning doubleheaders are back. 12 team expanded postseason. So more postseason baseball come October. Hopefully the World Series remains on time. Uh, There's a draft lottery, 16 Major League Baseball draft lottery, which will go into effect, which could play in a role for the Nationals depending how they finish this season. Uh, Back to its original 20 round draft. And then there are incentives for calling up prospects now. And that's also something that might. Should be a point of interest for Nationals fans. Top prospects who finish first or second in their league's rookie of the year voting will receive full years of service time. And then teams that also promote their top prospects to the opening day roster will be eligible to receive draft picks if that prospect finishes in the top three rookie of the year voting or top five in the MVP, Cy Young finishes. So there's a lot more news and notes that go into a collective bargaining agreement. We just saw, you know, there's. Uh, plenty of news coming out still. I think agents were just being told today about some of the new stuff that's going into effect. We won't bore you with all of those details <laughs> right now, but um, it is just happy that they came to an agreement. It's over. The lockout's yeah, over. We can get back to baseball talk. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's a lot of stuff on the money side of things, a lot that even I think we don't completely understand, but they reached an agreement. That's the most important thing. You're going to get a full 162-game season, um, and I think you know the most important for the Nationals or – Fans especially is that there's ex- expanded playoffs, mm-hmm. 12 teams now. Universal DH, of course, especially yep. important for the Nationals. Um, you know, the, the the draft lottery, of course, there's going to be an international draft now. So, yep. you know, a lot a lot of different rules, but those are the key ones. But most important thing is that there's going to be baseball. They got it done and it's going to be a full season.
0: Well, you mentioned the international draft and that was kind of the key point because going back to last week, it was that Wednesday during the day where it didn't look like it was going to be happening later that day baseball cancels another week worth of games opening day was pushed back to my birthday april 14th and then less than 24 hours later everything changes
1: well and that's what is so confusing yeah they canceled the first series and then the second and pushed back opening day but it there wasn't any real deadline because now we have a full season so yeah Yeah. of course we know those were you know their own deadlines but it's just so crazy that we thought we weren't gonna have baseball till you know mid-april and now you're gonna get a full season it's Whatever. Which, is yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. And
0: then, of course, the CBA comes to an agreement, and that international draft was a major sticking point there, mm-hmm. and both parties decided to push back that deadline to July 25th. They'll have uh, continued negotiations about how that will be implemented. Um, there are a lot of arguments for and against it, so that... Is not a point of concern right now. Yeah,
1: it might be two week, two years away. So. Yeah,
0: and um and and we'll w- have more information about that once that deadline gets nearer halfway through the season. Um but yeah, baseball is back, new rules are in place. The expanded playoffs could help for Nationals team that, you know, we thought was rebuilding, but now they're adding some big pieces and some interesting pieces to this roster. We'll go back and look at some of their moves that they made pre-lockout, during the lockout and then right at the as lockout lifted you look at it before the lockout some small moves were made of course the first very first move they made was like days after the regular season ended they re-signed shortstop Alcides escobar to a 1 year 1 million dollar deal they also claimed left-hander francisco perez from the guardians and infielder lucius fox and they also signed uh, richard urania to a minor league deal from the blue jays the big major league deal that they made before the lockout they signed infielder cesar hernandez to a 1 year $4 million guaranteed deal that includes incentives. That's down from his $5 million contract he had last year. Um, and they made some changes to the coaching staff. David Martinez hiring Darnell Coles as his new hitting coach. Dejon Watson was named as the player director of player development. Uh, they added Donovan Casey and Evan Lee to the 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft, that which has been canceled. <laughs> um, and they avoided arbitration with Andrew Stevenson. He was a Super 2 player. He's going to get a modest raise from his $579,100 salary from last year. And they non-tendered Ryan Harper, Wander Suero, and Mike Ford. Moving on to during the lockout, starting in December, going until just last week, of course, a freeze on Major League transactions. No Major League roster moves can be made. Minor League deals can be made. They signed D. Strange, Gordon, and Michael Franco to Minor League deals. They agreed to terms with 10 international free agents, including top prospect Christian Vercaro. We talked a lot about that on the podcast. Uh, they made some big changes to their minor league player development staff, headed by Dijon Watson. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Ryan Zimmerman retired. And then for us personally, Kevin Franson is hired as our new color commentator, along with Bob Carpenter <laughs> on the Masson broadcast. So... Lockout, yes, but still kind of busy, still news and notes worthing, and we mentioned all of that stuff on previous podcasts over the lockout and before that, so if you want any more specific news and notes on that kind of stuff, go back and listen to it. We have a full coverage on everything that I just mentioned, um, but any of the big storylines that happened before, before we get to the big stuff that happened this past weekend, but anything over the lockout that kind of sticks out to you that could play a factor now that spring training's underway?
1: I mean, I just think the, the two most important ones that were made to minor league deals during the lockout was Michael Franco and um, D-Strange Gordon, and those are both guys that are fighting for roster spot spots as spring training gets underway, and we just uh, found out from Mark Zuckerman, Mark Zuckerman today that um, Franco is getting work at third base and first base, mm. and there's a possibility he might end up being Josh Bell's backup at first base, so that's kind of a new development in where you're, you're seeing him, but those are two guys that are going to be fighting for roster positions, and the stuff Stuff that has happened the deals that have been made after the lockout ended kind of adds a few more guys to that mix
0: yeah and uh, i agree and then we talked about that when that the announcing was reported mm-hmm. and we figured that they would play a role and you know we figured that they would be the guys that would maybe end up making roster spots also assuming that the nationals wouldn't be done wouldn't be completely silent during the free agency period um but they were, you know, there are household names. If you're a baseball fan, you recognize those guys' names. They're established veterans in this league. Mm-hmm. And with the new change in direction the Nationals have been going on, not tanking per se, but just going through a rebuild, they're going to be a younger team. They're going to have some experienced vets that are maybe on the downside of their careers, looking to kind of rejuvenate, maybe turn into trade ships. We kind of both thought both of those guys could be guys that could make their way onto this roster, play a significant time for them, and then maybe be shipped off or, you know, hopefully rejuvenate the career in some kind of sense. So, yeah, two big names right there. Cesar Hernandez, I think, is also a big name to keep in mind. He was the only, aside from Osiris Escobar, the only major league mm-hmm. deal made and uh, at a modest price of $4 million for, for the season. So he's assuming to be your starting Somewhere, right, on the, in the infield, he's kind of flexible, probably second base. Davey Martinez floating around the idea yesterday that he could be your leadoff hitter. We'll touch on that in a little bit. So it was a, you know, for the lack of overall baseball news because of the lockout, there were some important information and signings and, and news no, newsworthy notes that came out during the lockout for the Nationals Club. And then we get to this weekend. Of course, the new CBA goes in event into effect on Thursday night of uh, last week, we've got this... Everyone thought this free agency frenzy was going to happen that night. You and I thought so, too. And then nothing really happened Thursday right. night. It didn't really pick up until, like, Friday afternoon into Saturday. Um, and the Nationals, you know, they... I don't know about you. What did you think? i They were way more active than I thought they I would be. I was so
1: surprised. Yeah. I was so surprised. Um, And I just... Side note: I kind of like it like this, where it's all happening oh, at yeah. once. Like, I think it's way more fun mm-hmm. than you know having the whole off season to make these moves. So, just a side note: I'm kind of into this. But Nelson Cruz, like when I saw that, I was so surprised. Yeah.
0: Well, we we both thought so. Don't want to speak for you, but I thought we we talked about this on past maybe two weeks ago, our last episode together, like. We would have the first wave of free agency signings, a la Nelson Cruz, uh, some of the big-name trades that were made. Um, And then the Nationals would kind of pick what's left over from the, you know, the tier B kind of guys. Yeah, and as
1: far as the – we'll get into this, but as far as the DH goes, we kind of thought it would be like a DH by committee. And you would see a lot of the guys that are already on this roster, you know, switching in and out out of that spot, but – that's yeah. not what the Nationals no, saw. No, so. <laughs> they were the
0: first National League team
1: right, to, go get to hire DH. a
0: full-time DH. And it's Nelson Cruz who, you know over the, this generation of baseball is probably the, the second best designated yeah. hitter we've seen behind Big Poppy, Bobby. David Ortiz. So, you know, here are his stats from last year. Look, this is a guy who, I don't know if you're a baseball fan in the area, you probably remember his 2014 season when he led the majors with 40 homers right here in, in with the Orioles. Uh, he played 140 games last year between Minnesota and Tampa Bay. Hit 265. And this isn't a guy that just hits home runs or bust. He does find a way to get mm-hmm. on base. 32 homers, 86 RBIs, an OPS of 830 two gets traded at the deadline to Tampa Bay in return the uh, twins get two prospects one of which is a starting pitcher who is in competition to be like their third or fourth starter in this rotation this mm-hmm. year. so if you're looking at this uh, move for Nelson Cruz on both sides it makes sense right for the Nationals you need a designated hitter he's one of the best sluggers on the market for this free agency class um, over this past weekend. You've got a young roster. You've got a superstar in Juan Soto. A lot of Latin players in their clubhouse. And you're probably not competing, right? And you're looking to get more of those prospects back, right? And you just saw Nelson Cruz net the Twins a pretty good return Mm -hmm. in this trade last year. That's probably the idea they're thinking about. And on Nelson's Cruz side, Mark Zuckerman mentioned this to me when we talked earlier this week on Mass and All Access you know, he actually has more control of where he could end up at the end of the season chasing a ring than if he were to sign with a supposed competitor at the get-go.
1: Yeah, that's what's so interesting is, you know, you, when you first look at it, you're like, well, why is he coming here? He's at the back of end of his career, and he's still hitting the heck out of the ball, and he could go somewhere with a team that is is possibly contending. But in all reality, now he starts here. The Nationals get his veteran presence and whatever production he puts out for the first half of the season. And at the deadline, he's going to most likely get flipped to a contending Mm -hmm. team. So it kind of works out for both sides, and that's what makes this so interesting. But you mentioned that 2014 season, you know, no player in baseball has hit more home runs since the start of the 2014 season then Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. And last year became the oldest player to hit more than 30 home runs at 32 home runs last season. And, you know, he's been an all-star or finished in the top 15 MVP voting or both in every season since 2013. So this is a 41-year-old who is – one of the best DHS of all time. Yeah. Um, and it kind of ends up working out for the nationals and for him.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, it was reported. Well, I, my days are starting to get confused, but it was reported that the favorites to sign him were the Dodgers and, and the Padres, which makes sense, right? Both of those teams are competitive. Both of those teams have now a need for a DH because they're both national league teams. Um, and, have a young roster that's going to be competitive roster. You think of like the appeal of San Diego with Tatis. I know he's hurt now, but and, and Machado, there's a lot of young Latin players there. Of course, Nelson Cruz would want to go there and be reunited with Manny Machado. But then you think about it like, okay, the Dodgers are probably a sure thing, right? But the Padres were supposed to make the playoffs last year and they completely phased out at the second half of the exactly. season. So it's no guarantee. You come to Washington, you play, you're one of the best hitters on uh, this subpar team, you're hitting behind Juan Soto. You give him protection, which the Nationals are ha- excited about. I'm sure Juan is too. And then come the trade deadline, you will have your pick of the litter of competing teams. You're you know, guaranteed, to pretty guarantee much. A competing team, you'll pretty know. Much. You'll pretty much know who's going to be in it in October. And. And we, we saw the Nationals did this last year with Max Scherzer, you know, walk up to Mike Rizzo and say, these are my teams that I like to go to. Go make a deal, get it done, get top prospects back in return. Maybe he does end up in Los Angeles or San Diego. Those are two good farm systems mm-hmm. to pick from. So it, it kind of works out on both sides. I was very surprised when the Nationals emerged as one of the top four teams involved in him, and I was like, okay, they checked on him, that's fine. But to actually land him, was pretty pretty substantial, and, and and the more you think about it, it, does make sense, and it's it's exciting. It's it gives Nationals fans a reason aside from one so to come to the ballpark every day,
1: right? And then you add in the kind of cause and effect it has on Juan Soto, possibly, yeah. um, you know, this is a guy that's going to, he's probably excited to be hitting behind Juan Soto, but then the Nationals are trying to make moves. Juan Soto, Mike Rizzo said, is their priority, and they're making moves to show that they're making additions to this ball club that can, can make them competitive and somebody that Juan Soto can look up to. And I think it, it, that's kind of just a little additional bonus um, that you can kind of put in your back pocket that you're showing Juan Soto, what you're doing for, for this organization in the future.
0: I think it was last year at the all-star game in Colorado where a bunch of pictures came out of Juan and Nelson, like embracing each other, chatting for a long time, It's probably during the home run Derby. Um, And you know, there is an established relationship there already, both from the Dominican Republic, of course. So yeah, you're right. I think that's, it's, it's big. So we talked about the on field stuff how important it is for both the team and the player. Let's talk about the off field stuff real quick too, because like you mentioned, first off, you're showing Juan Soto. Hey, we're not just going to roll over here. Like, you know, we're going to put together a competitive roster. Like you said, Mike Rizzo said day one, Juan Soto was our number one priority. First off that's changed because every spring training, Mike Rizzo has said winning is our number one priority mm-hmm. being in the postseason, winning the division, winning a world series. This year, things have changed. He is saying this player is our number one priority, and keeping him long-term is what we're trying to do. Right. So you show Juan that you are still committed, even though you're going through this rebuilding process, still committed to winning, still committed to building around him. You now have a two through four hitters, let's just say, of Soto, Cruz, Josh Bell. You have two guys who can crush the ball protecting Juan Soto. We saw at the end of last year, teams just wouldn't pitch to Juan Soto because no one, Josh Bell gave him a little protection, but after that, it wasn't really much when Kyle Schwarber left. Now there's that protection again. And then you go onto the fan side of things. What's some of the hardest things that rebuilding teams have to go through is convincing the fans. This is the right thing to do. Give them a reason to come out and support the team. Bringing Nelson Cruz (laughs) is a big That's going to put butts in the seats. That's going to sell tickets. That's going to sell jerseys. It's a very smart move for for all parties involved because you're not just showing Juan Soto you want to compete. You're showing the fan base too. It's like, hey, we're not just completely punting on everything. Yes, it's going to take a while to be competitive again, but we're still going to try to go 1-0 every day.
1: Yeah, and really at the root of every rebuild, there has to be some backbone or some veteran presence Mm -hmm. you know to show guys how it's done and kind of carry them along the way and with the nationals as far as position players go you know of course they have Juan Soto who's you know, they have the talent backbone. They have the talent foundation. But as far as that actual veteran presence and leadership, Juan Soto is still a baby, Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, in all reality. And uh, to have somebody like Nelson Cruz to show these guys how it's done and be a part of the rebuild and at least set a foundation for the first half of the season is, is a plus, too.
0: Yeah, and, and you're right. Uh, uh, and that's the other thing, too. It's like this is a good— This goes one or two ways, right? One, we already touched on. Nelson gets flipped to the deadline. He goes to a contender. Nationals get good prospects in return. Or two, if you don't trade him, that means you're in it or you're thinking you're going to be in it. And I'm not saying Nelson Cruz is the one person that can take this Nationals team to the postseason. It's obviously going to be a huge effort. There's a lot of concerns with the pitching staff. But... You know, it's not just signing, you know, Joe Schmo off the block to protect Juan Soto. It's Nelson Cruz. And right. he's a coveted bat and he's a productive bat, even at his age. He'll be forty two on July first, but he still can hit the ball. So either you're flipping him for good prospects or you're keeping him because there is a, a sense that you're still in it in July. That's unlikely, I know, but that's one of two avenues, and I think Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez are good with either one in the long term and short term.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's no, I mean, he's such an established bat. His numbers dipped a little bit with the Rays this past year, but he dealt with a forearm contusion, he dealt with COVID, and another illness he he missed time. So aside from that, he has been outstanding and throughout his entire 18 seasons in the major leagues. So you're getting an established guy. It works out on both sides. Surprised me a whole lot, but you know i um, for the f- to get have your first ever official dh in the national yeah, league right. be nelson cruz i think the nationals are headed on a right path
0: that's going to be a fun uh, trivia question in like 10 years like who was the, the nationals first, first yeah. official dh and it's going to be nelson cruz uh, adding to his value though is looking at his postseason numbers he's a 278 hitter with a 9.79 OPS, 18 home runs, and 38 RBIs in his career in the postseason. So you mentioned he kind of struggled once he got to Tampa Bay, but he still contributes in October. He, had a, he did hit a home run in game one against Boston uh, in the ALDS last year. So it, it's a productive bet. There is a need for him, especially now with the universal DH. You're not just shop, shopping him to an American League team. All of baseball is going to be looking for a DH and a big power bet come late July. Do you know who had the first, what team had the first ever DH? What team? Mm-hmm. Oh. Is it the Yankees? It is. Yeah.
1: yeah. Ron Bloomberg. Wow. I
0: <laughs> never uphold the name, it's but the Yankees make sense. Yeah, it yeah. is. They're just like, mm, we want more offense. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's uh, any more notes on Nelson Cruz you want to touch no. on? I mean, we're very excited. I mean, I'm excited. He has not, the deal has not officially been announced according to, as of this podcast recording, but Nelson Cruz has already tweeted out a picture of his Jersey and his locker, uh, in the nationals clubhouse. Yeah. New team. New yeah, new team yeah. Who dis, um, <laughs> Adam Jones, his former teammate in, in, um, Baltimore responded being like, what is that glove for that? You can see a glove in his locker and he said he's going to be taking ground balls at first base. I think I looked it up. Nelson Cruz has played a total of one game in his career at first base. But the Nationals are going to give it a try. Never know. Never know. You never know. And they're going to try to get everything they can out of right. Nelson Cruz. So, um, exciting to see that. Exciting for spring training games to start on Friday. We'll talk about that scheduling and how that's going to work in a little bit. So, interesting to see Nelson in a Nationals uniform. Let's look at some other moves that they made since the lockout was lifted um, because they were able to make major league moves. Some of the first things they did, they signed a utility player, A. Ray Andre Anza. I knew I was going to set up. A. Ray Andrianza to a one-year deal. Utility player, can play all across the diamond in the infield and a little bit in the outfield. Right-handed pitcher Steve Szczek uh, to a one-year, $1.75 million deal plus incentives. And then some familiar faces return. Anibal Sanchez on a minor league deal. Uh, Sean Doolittle back on a major league deal. Not officially announced, but that's supposed to be expected to be official in the coming days. Uh, He's already back down in West Palm Beach. And, of course, Gerardo Parra, Baby Shark, back on a minor league deal as well. And then Aaron Sanchez on a minor league deal, a right-handed starting pitcher who last pitched for the Giants. A lot of A Sanchez's in the Mm -hmm. national system. Anibal Sanchez, Aaron Sanchez, Sanchez, Adrian Sanchez. So, those are the moves that we know of as of right now. I'm sure more come as other trades and players sign there will probably be more. It, it might be tough though because it's a shortened spring training. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there might be some other minor league invite, uh, minor league deals with invites to major league spring training coming up. But those are the big names that we know right now. Um, what, thoughts on the reunions with some of uh, Do and Anibal have and Para?
1: Have you ever, I mean, seen that many players return to a team? After, no, like. It's really unreal. I feel like they just keep bringing guys back and keep bringing them back. Um, It's it's really awesome to see. What surprised me is that Sean Doolittle, they signed to a major league deal. Did that surprise you at all?
0: Well, I think the thing about Doolittle returning, how quickly it happened. I didn't think they would – I thought they would check on him if, like, we got to this point and he was still out there, but reports were saying that You know, he was one of the first calls that Mike Rizzo made or the Nationals made once the lockout was lifted. They were like the first and maybe only team in contact with him, which I thought was surprising because, you know, Doolittle was great between 2017 and parts of 2019 and, of course, the World Series run, but really struggled in 2020 Mm -hmm. injuries. Um, He got traded last year from the Cincinnati Reds to the Seattle Mariners. Um, He really struggled at times. Did seem to get his fastball velocity back, but he only pitched, I think, in like 50-ish games or so. So I was surprised that they pounced on him so quickly, and yes, to a major league deal.
1: Well, I I think that is probably a really good sign for Doolittle because the thing was for him is that drop in velocity. It dropped from like 93 to 90 when he was with the Nationals. And then last year, he got it back up to around 93. Um, And they must feel pretty confident that, you know, that's back where he needs to be. He throws his fastball over 80% of the time. So velocity is a big thing for him. Uh, And of course, throwing strikes, he walked a lot of guys last year. And that's another thing that got him into trouble. But they must have really liked what they saw and feel really optimistic that his velocity's back and going to stay back. So that might just speak to Sean Doolittle being back in, you know, pre-injury form. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think it was like, it had to be like a year ago at this point, And we were talking about a possible reunion with do before he signed with Cincinnati. And we were like, what team knows him better at this point in the nationals. And I think that remains true today too. It's like, what team knows him better right now than the Nationals he's been here. He was here most recently and for four seasons. Right. So, um, I, yeah, it, it it does make sense. Again, I just was surprised how quickly that it all went down. Uh, I haven't seen financial details yet. I can't imagine it's too much of a financial hit for the Nationals. And it's, you know, again, one of those things where I'm not saying that they make their roster moves on this basis alone, but it has played a factor. There's like a fan you know, he's a fan favorite. There's a fan part of this where you can say, yeah, we have Sean Doolittle, Anibal Sanchez, Gerardo Parra, you know, we might not win a lot of games, but come see some of your favorite teams from the best nationals team ever. Uh, come play at Nationals Park. There it is, 56 games, just under 50 innings for Sean last year between Cincinnati and Seattle, a whip of 1470, 53 strikeouts, and an ERA of 4.53. So not great numbers, especially considering some of the numbers he put up in um, Washington. I think it was interesting, though, that Dave Martinez mentioned that he is not going to be put in directly in the closer role at start. If he works his way into there, fine, but he is not coming in as a closer right from the jump of spring training.
1: Right, and then maybe they do end up going out and getting a true closer. Mm-hmm. But w- the good thing about this move is that really before, Will Harris, and he only pitched a handful of innings last year, was right. the only established reliever in this bullpen. And you have a bullpen full of young and up-and-coming up and, co- up and coming arms. So to get an established reliever like Sean Doolittle, another lefty in the bullpen, um, I think will be good to start a... Like, help these guys along the way like we mentioned with the rebuild yeah. and as far as position players go you need some sort of foundation same thing is true for pitchers and in this bullpen
0: the only lefties currently on the major league roster in the bullpen are sam clay um evan lee who was added to the roster to protect from the four, uh the rule five draft and francisco perez so not a lot of experience in terms of lefty we've talked about they need probably another lefty relief arm in there and it just happens to be sean which is Exciting and then and then you move on to Anibal Sanchez, a minor league deal for him. He's approaching 40 years old. You know, he was fantastic in 2019. If you can get what Anibal was in 2019, not so much 2020, but what he was in 2019 as a starter, I think he won eleven games. He had a respectable ERA. He made, I think, about 30 starts. That's I mean, again, it's a minor league deal, so he has to work his way into the rotation. But with Joe Ross having a setback, not maybe he's not going to be available for six to eight weeks. Steven Strasburg says he's probably not going to be ready for Opening Day as he ramps back up. You just have guys in place to fill those holes, eat some innings early on, um, if you absolutely need to. And and if Anibal can give you a handful of starts at the beginning of the season and, and keep you in ball games, I think that's that's worth a that's worth the, the minor league deal.
1: Right. I mean. Look- Thinking you have everybody back healthy, I think the reality of actually seeing Anibal Sanchez or even Aaron Sanchez in this rotation come opening day would be super surprising. Mm-hmm. But with these injuries, that gives both of these guys a real chance to fight for a spot in the back yep. end of that rotation, and gives the Nationals, you know, more options. Uh, which we're always talking about guys at the back end of that rotation because of injuries and knowing that Joe Ross isn't going to be healthy to start the season. Yeah, that gives these two guys an actual opportunity. To fight for a spot on this roster.
0: Yeah, you could say the same thing with Aaron Sanchez as he comes in on a minor league deal. But uh, you know, looking at 2019, Anibal, like I said, 11 and 8, 30 starts, 3.85 ERA. 2020 shortened season made 11 starts, which is about what starters were making that year if you pitch the full season, but a 6.62 ERA. So production definitely fell off a bit. But if you can get Again, not saying he's going to play the whole season in this rotation, not saying he's going to pitch 166 innings, but if you can get a fraction of that when you need it because mm-hmm. of the injuries to your starters right now, there's still question marks on Patrick right. Corbin, Josiah Gray might actually be the only sure thing you have in this rotation at this point, yeah. which is and that's a lot of pressure to put on a young player. Um so yeah, it's just you just have, you know, insurance policies in place where you have guys that you know can produce, give some innings um, and call up, and, and there's little to no cost or risk in, in having them around. And if anything, they're just another veteran presence, like we talked about right. in the clubhouse, on the mound. Um, you know, Davey Martinez mentioned the other day how much they really likes. That veteran presence because if there's a message they want to deliver to a young player they sometimes have veteran players deliver that message as opposed to a coach because it's sometimes received better
1: yeah exactly and then kind of a similar situation with Aaron Sanchez he was the first round draft pick back in 2010 by the Blue Jays and then kind of peaked in 2016 when we made the all-star team and finished seventh in Cy Young voting it's kind of been downhill Ever since he's dealt with a lot of injuries, um, has only thrown 35 and a third innings over the last two years. But if healthy, you never know. He could give the Nationals an option and some innings. You just never know. So kind of the same situation. You're hoping for a bounce back, um, but Aaron Sanchez is has at least pitched where Annie Ball didn't pitch at all last year
0: yeah and, and and i'm looking right now aaron sanchez is the same birthday as nelson cruz july 1st he'll be mm-hmm. 30 so a younger side on the younger side of a pitcher especially when you're looking at the guys that we just talked about that are established outside of gray um and ross mm-hmm. feddy's being stretched out as a starter We talked about this too a couple weeks ago, competition, right? Mike Rizzo just brings in competition. Even if it weren't for the injuries, I can still see Mike Rizzo making these types of minor league moves just to have that veteran presence and to bring in other guys to push the guys that are on the big big league roster and maybe even supplant them. I mean, he has no problem if someone outperforms someone else in camp to putting them on the roster and, and optioning down the younger guys and letting them continue to develop. So... Mike Rizzo loves building up competition in camp. That's what he's done here with a lot of these signings. Um, and this team's starting to come together. And, and it's, it's exciting. I, I think you, Nationals fans have to be way more optimistic right now about this team than they were a week ago at this point, right? The way this roster has come together. Again, you and I have said we're surprised at how quickly and, and the types of moves that they've made um, for, in a good way. And and I think that's a lot to be said. Credit to Mike Rizzo and David Martinez. There's a lot of good things happening. I, they're not expected to be good, but it's no. still making the team interesting. And I think that's, you know, at least you can ask for a rebuilding team.
1: Yeah, like we knew we were they were going to go after cheap veterans, Nelson Cruz aside, because that wasn't cheap. But, you know, even like Steve Ciszek C- 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 is like, that's a cheap deal but that's a reliable above average reliever you're getting they didn't just go after you know just get the leftovers and same thing with Adrianza is not the best hitter but that's the most versatile defensive player the Nationals Mm -hmm. have seen in a while so those are two guys that you got for cheap but they're, they're probably going to have a really good return because not only is it the veteran presence, but they're above average players.
0: Yeah, C-Sheck is a righty. He pitched just over 60 innings last year for the Angels, a 342 ERA, and a whip of 1493. So some solid. And, and this is also a type of move that we talked about the Nationals needed to address along with Doolittle, right? But just adding arms to this bullpen. We did not think that Mike Rosa was going to enter the season with the bullpen the way it was because of how much this bullpen cost teams down the stretch last year. And you look at a lot of games that the Nationals ended up losing in August and September. It was the bullpen's <laughs> fault. I mean, it was. They They were in a lot of games because it wasn't the offense's fault. They actually had one of the best offenses in the second half of the season in all of baseball, but the pitching staff just was not up to snuff, especially when you're looking at relievers. So adding to that re- that relief core, obviously something that Mike Rizzo had to prioritize, and, and he, I think, did an admirable job of just bringing in someone else, yeah. even though it was Doolittle, who you know is probably on the tail end of his career.
1: Yeah, and the best thing about uh, C-Sheck is that he's super reliable. He's thrown at least 44 innings uh, every year since 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he made 74 appearances last year, which ranked the third most in the American League and tied for fifth in all of baseball. So we know that Davey Martinez tends to find a guy in this bullpen and ride right him until, you know, he, he can't anymore. And that's just the kind of the fate of having a lot of young unreliable arms. Uh, so to have that's a guy that's reliable and proven is going to be good, at least to get them through this season. That could be could have some uh, trials and tribulations. Yeah, And he
0: has some closing experience. I mean, like we talked about Doolittle not expected to be the closer from day one could work his way into that role again. If, mm-hmm. if that's just the way things turn out, but C-Sheck has st- closing experience. He had 34 saves in 2013, 39 in 2014. He 25 back in 2016 for Seattle. Uh, hasn't done so much since. Only a handful. Uh, I think it's about uh, 15 since 2017. But he's done it before. I mean, he is 30 years old. He or 35 years old. Excuse me. He's on the older side. But it's in that experience does help. Or if you, you know, that's basically how. Daniel Hudson became the closer, right? I mean, he was never a real big closer guy. Had done a little bit in the past, but didn't really like it. And then when it comes to the Nationals, kind of forced into that role and, and did a pretty good job. So if one of these two guys, maybe mix and match depending on matchups, but if one of those two guys kind of grow into, you probably would like to see like a Tanner Rainey grow eventually that, grow right. into that. But if it's just not the case, you have veteran guys who have done it before. And
1: you feel a lot more comfortable having these guys... Do it and lead the way and develop mm-hmm. Tanner Rainey into the closer role rather than what it felt like last year's. They just throw them. I mean, they didn't have a choice. Yeah, you just have to. It's do Same or die. Same with Kyle Finnegan. Yep. So it's just do or die. So it's better to see them develop and have a chance to develop, and these guys lead the way rather than to be forced into that situation.
0: Kyle Finnegan spoke to the media couple days ago too and he said he doesn't have his defined role just yet either but is open doing whatever Davy Martinez asks of him so still no I mean it's early right we're not even a full week into this thing so games haven't even started yet we don't know how this bullpen's going to shape up but there are names in there that are going to help out hopefully Will Harris is healthy enough we know he's been throwing down there uh, in West Palm Beach so that's a good sign for them as well let's move on to West Palm Beach now that we've kind of recapped all the roster moves and talk about some of the storylines that we're looking forward to heading into the meat of spring training. It's a shortened spring training. They're only playing 16 games in 19 days starting on Friday, the opener at 6 o'clock Friday night. Um, I think 10 of their games will be at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, which is good because they split time with the Astros. So even though they're their away team, they're still at home at their home stadium. Um, all ticketing information, all that stuff is available at nationals.com slash spring. So if you're heading down there, I believe workouts during the day are open to the public for free. Just walk up. They've got, uh, you know, sections for fans to stand by and and watch workouts. Uh, But in terms of actual storylines with this roster, what are you most looking forward to um, as games start? And, you know, we get full squad workouts for the first time in the next couple of days.
1: Well, I think... All eyes are on straws as far as that goes in the development. I mean, him coming back from surgery, he threw live BP yesterday, and today Mark Zuckerman said that he said he felt good, which I think is a really good sign and a good step, I think. Watching his, him progress throughout spring training is going to be a big storyline, and then also, like I mentioned earlier, Michael Franco and Carter Keboom are competing at third base. So I thought that was an interesting development, and he's getting work at first base to see kind of how those guys, especially the other ones that are com- competing for infield spots, how that all shakes out. I think is going to be a really interesting competition.
0: Then I'll go to the outfield then, because that's another one that's come up. And Mark Zerkerman has wrote about this on MassInsports.com. We've tossed this idea around a lot this offseason. Now we're going to actually see it play out. Who's going to be in center field? Is it going to be Lane Thomas or is it going to be Victor Robles? And is there a possibility that both can be out there? Davey Martinez said on day one that, you know, it is possible that we're, we're, we are going to give Lane Thomas a look in left field. He's not going to get a majority of his uh, reps out there in left. He's still going to get a lot in center. But, it's an idea they're tossing around and if they both kind of take over those roles i would also still expect them because i don't think they're done with uh like bringing in guys and and free agent signings i would think they would also address an outfielder because I, unless Lane Thomas just runs away with it, right? And and he's just clearly the guy, and they want speed at the top of the lineup. Cesar Hernandez, while he does have experience leading off, for whatever reason doesn't work out, you can throw Thomas back in there, or you just have a bunch of speed at the at the back end of your lineup. So I, that's something I'm keeping an eye on because we're actually going to see it play out. Can Victor Robles bounce back from uh, his disastrous end to the season last year and, and of course, finishing in AAA uh, Rochester?
1: And the good thing is Adrianza, gives you another outfield option. He's not going to be in your everyday starting left fielder, mm-hmm. but he did play a good, good amount of games in the outfield, mostly in right field, but at least that gives you another option uh, on this roster to throw out there. Uh, if push comes to shove, but to see whether Victor Robles will bounce back. I think that's another, all eyes are on that. Tonight. And of
0: course we touched on it a little bit, but the major storyline that's going to be the point of talk throughout the course of the year is Juan Soto. And Nationals have made him the number one priority. His contract status, he's going to be asked that wherever he goes. He's already giving the good Boris pitch of ask my agent. He's handling it all. I'm just focusing on baseball, which he should be doing. But can Juan Soto put up more MVP-type numbers? Will this lineup give him enough prote- uh, protection to you know, be one of the best players, superstar that he is, be one of the best players in all of baseball? Um, I, I think – he, if you're one Soto right now, you're very happy with the way this lineup is looking right now. Sure, some things can be adjusted on the back end, but the addition of Nelson Cruz, a full season of Josh Bell. Remember, Josh Bell was yep. super productive the second half of the season last year. I think that's very exciting for him, and again... Shows that the Nationals aren't just rolling over and calling it quits. They are still trying to put together a competitive baseball team at the major league level.
1: Yeah, as far as Juan Soto, he has to feel good with Nelson Cruz heading behind him, and then as far as Nelson Cruz goes, he has to feel good with Juan Soto yeah. hitting ahead of him because you know you're going to be hitting with guys on base yeah. at least a majority of the time.
0: So those are some of the top storylines we'll be covering over the next couple of it's like a week, two weeks and a half, right? It's I mean, opening day is April seventh. That will be at four o'clock start at Nationals Park against Jacob DeGrom and the Mets, if DeGrom stays healthy. He was announced as the opening day starter. Nationals opening day starter still up for grabs. We know, but probably won't be Steven Strasburg, maybe Patrick Corbin, maybe Josiah Gray. It'd be kind of exciting to see I Josiah like it. Gray yeah. trot out there. Um, and then Max Scherzer, if he stays healthy, will be making his Mets debut in a return to Nationals Park sometime that weekend. We do have some somewhat of a breaking news right now on the Masson All Access podcast as we are live, as Masson did just announce our official spring training broadcast schedule. You can check the Nationals live on Masson on March 21st, 6 o'clock as they host the Cardinals at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. All these games will be home games. And then March 28th, 1 o'clock against the Marlins. And then April 5th, just a couple of days before spring uh, opening day, noon start on mass I believe I'll be a Tuesday all from the ballpark of Palm beaches. You'll have Bob, you'll have Kevin, you'll have Mark Zuckerman joining the broadcast from West Palm beach. So those are your three broadcast spring training games that you'll be able to catch on mass over the next couple of weeks.
1: So there you go. Nick on Facebook, Televise some spring training games, please. There you go. Ask and you shall receive. There are your three <laughs> right
0: there. Again, they're only playing 16 and 19 days it's I mean, that maybe is a storyline we should talk a little bit more about, too, is like it's Davey mentioned this too. It's you have to be cautious. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a little I don't want to say nerve wracking, but I'm a little nervous, too, because you <laughs> don't want to push guys too far. You obviously have to get them ready for the regular season. I'm really nervous about this pitching staff. This pitching staff already has so many question marks and injury histories. I just don't see how they're going to be – Steven Strasburg already said he's probably not going to be ready. He's going to take his normal six weeks uh, before he's going to be fully prepared, which I think is smart. It's a bummer, but it's smart. I would rather have him for the long run than opening day start. Mm -hmm. But it is something to keep an eye on. It's an unfortunate part, but there are going to be injuries, and you just hope that doesn't happen to some of the best players on the team.
1: Yeah, it's stressful. I mean, it's a fine balance between getting guys ready and not – you know pushing them too far so that they are ready for the season. And that usually falls down to pitchers, which are the most important things. And we saw a lot of injuries with the shortened spring training and having to ramp things up quick. So hopefully we don't see that. Um, The half of their rotations already hurt, So (laughs) at least, you know, that you can't do do more damage there, but those young guys uh, getting them ready and getting into the routine and like learning their own bodies Mm -hmm. and how to do it themselves is kind of, you know, going to be tough.
0: And the other thing is the, um, the way that the spring training schedule has been revised. This was the case mostly in the past, anyways, and this is part of the reason the appeal of the Nationals moving to West Palm Beach. But they're playing the same teams for every game and in a short amount of time: the Marlins, Mets, Astros, and Cardinals. Two of those are your are division rivals, so you don't want pitchers facing the same batters over and over and over and over and over sure. and over. I mean, it works both ways. You know, of course, Nationals batters will be facing opposing, opposing right. pitchers at the same time. But it's...
1: And you're not necessarily seeing the same line. Right. But...
0: <laughs> but I would, you know, maybe on days, especially like that last game that Masson's broadcasting two days before opening day, you probably don't see Strasburg, Corbin, or whoever, because they'll be ready for But Obviously, like, yeah. on days where, you know, a pitcher possibly could be facing the same team and back-to-back starts, maybe they don't get that Major League... Major League? Uh, grapefruit League start and they'll... To a sim game in the backfield so they don't face the same batters over and over and over and over and over that's and over, and over, and over of, again. Yeah,
1: that's a lot of planning. I mean, when you're, uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: it's gonna go by quickly. Like we said, it's yeah. opening day. It's today's March 16th, opening day is April 7th. We have a full 162 game schedule, that's exciting, but it's gonna be a lot of moving parts. Really quickly, we'll have you covered on all aspects of national spring training, massinsports.com, the Mass and App right here on the Mass and All Access podcast. You, of course, can follow us on the, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, and catch us live every single week on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Be sure to hit subscribe and notifications so you will know exactly when we get live. And if there's any breaking news, we'll bring that to you also on Mass and All Access and Mass and All Access Extra. Follow at Mark Zuckerman on Twitter. He'll He'll be down in West Palm Beach in a couple of days. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco at Ebbing Jennings News. Big thanks to Brenda Mortensen for working the show behind the scenes. Big thanks to you guys for sticking with us all lockout long. And now we have actual baseball to talk about. We'll be with you all season long, all spring training long. Looking forward to April 7th seeing you at the ballpark. We can't wait. Until then, stay tuned and we'll talk to you later.